0: Marines
1: Media. Hello there, welcome. New season, new beginnings for us. This is the Totally Football League Show Extra Time. We should probably start with a small explainer. Uh, we are Ali Maxwell talking and on the line with me George Ellick and we're absolutely delighted that our podcast Going Up Going Down for The Athletic has joined up to become part of the totally team and is now part of the totally football league show we are so excited to be part of the tfls team matt and adrian and sam and producer abby and other guests that we've been promised throughout the season and we're absolutely delighted that we will be part of it a quick housekeeping note to listeners of going up going down this week You can hear us on the old going up, going down feed, but we would need you to subscribe to the Totally Football League show feed to get all future episodes. George is now going to explain what you can expect from us today and what you can expect from us throughout the season.
0: Yeah, hello guys, very exciting indeed. Uh, Today, this is your League One and League Two preview. The guys on the Monday show did the championship preview. Make sure you check that out if you haven't already. But this is the League One and League Two preview, a whistle-stop tour through the bottom two leagues in the EFL. We're going to be going very quickly through the protagonists, through some managers and players that we're excited to see. And every week we're going to be here on Thursdays with analysis, with expert guests, uh, everything you could possibly want to hear and previews ahead of the weekend's football as well. We're really, really excited to be here. It's going to be more of the same from going up, going down, but also a little bit on top of that as well.
1: And if you're not already a subscriber of The Athletic, you can become one today if you head to theathletic.com forward slash EFL pod you can subscribe for just one pound a month the breadth and depth of writing on site is better than ever and so many podcasts as part of the athletic stable as well this is the totally football league show with Ali Maxwell and George sponsored by Paddy Power and part of the athletic podcast network Right then, George mentioned it already, a whistle-stop tour. Uh, I don't know if this is speed skating or speed dating, but we're going to fly through Leagues 1 and 2. We're going to start with a group that we're calling the Protagonists at the top of League 1, and we're going to be leaning on our sponsors, Paddy Power, George, to group them up for us.
0: Yeah, as with the Totally Football League show on a Monday, this podcast is sponsored by Paddy Power and they have prices for all sorts of markets in both League 1 and in League 2. Looking at the top end of League 1 and there are seven teams whose odds are the shortest to other favorites to win the division and Sunderland are 5 to 1 ahead of both uh, Peterborough and Portsmouth at 15 to 2. Oxford at 10 to 1. Charlton 11-1, Ipswich 12-1 and Hull 15-1. These are the teams we're calling the protagonists and we'll start at the top.
1: Yeah, this is a fascinating group of sides. Some of them who were up there last season, some of them who dropped down from the championship. George, Sunderland are favourites for League One once again, their third season at this level. It feels like for once, though, they don't necessarily see it that way.
0: I don't think many people do. Uh, We spoke to, to Michael Walker, the athletic writer, a couple of weeks ago. And he said in his article about Sunderland on The Athletic saying nobody knows why they're favourites, but this is where the position they find themselves in. I think the size of the club and the, the money behind the squad always plays a factor here. You look at the signings this summer and it's, there's not really much to get necessarily overly excited about. Aidan O'Brien's a decent pickup from Millwall. Danny Graham comes back to the club age 35, but you probably still anticipate him to be a fairly prolific striker at this level. But Sunderland fans have had such high expectations for the last two seasons, coming into them under the management of Jack Ross. In the first season, they were beaten playoff finalists. Last season, on points per game, they didn't even make the playoffs. The optimism around the ownership of Stuart Donald has evaporated slowly into what is now close to nothing as they look to sell the club. So it just feels like the, the notion, the idea from Sunderland fans coming into League One that they were too big for the league and they were going to walk the league and it would be easy. I think they've had a rude awakening and they now understand that it's not that easy. You can't just come down with a club bloated full of supposedly championship quality players and expect to go up. So they won't see themselves as being favourites. I would argue that under the canny management of Phil Parkinson, that might not necessarily be a bad thing. The weight of expectation weighing them down. So I'm not writing them off by any stretch, but it does feel like only it's maybe the view of the bookies rather than the general population that Sunderland are the most likely winners. And that puts both the teams chasing them in a pretty strong position in people's minds. Peterborough and Pompey. Peterborough just missing out on the playoffs last season, much to their angst, and Portsmouth losing on penalties to Oxford in the semi-final. A bit of change, though. Peterborough have lost Ivan Tony, their star striker, to Brentford, although for a hefty fee. And Pompey, despite picking up the most points in League One last season from the October the 1st onwards, Kenny Jackett, the manager, not necessarily the most popular man down at Fratton Park. How do you see these two getting on?
1: Yeah, Pompey's jacket causing a bit of discomfort here, a little tight at the moment. (laughs) And we wait and see how that affects them because they're in a pretty unique position here, Pompey, because it feels like the people who rate them the least are their fans uh, who really do have... Uh, or a large portion of them, I should say, have something of a problem with Kenny Jacket's tactics and who really can't see a huge amount of optimism heading into the season. And we look at it as this was a team whose playoff semi final was decided uh, in the cliched uh, lottery of penalties. They, they probably would have fancied themselves against Wickham in the final. They could. Have been a championship side this year and as you say it was only a poor start to last season that stopped them being an automatically promoted team so uh, it's difficult to to understand from the outside but dinosaur tactics is something that gets leveled against jacket quite a lot and you have to worry for him that the sort of negative energy around the place, if it continues, uh, might slightly hamper their ability to to sort of attack the league this season and to start strong. I still have a fair amount of positivity about Pompey, but more positivity for Peterborough. The way they finished last season was absolutely magnificent. Seven wins in their last nine games. They scored four goals in four of those nine. They were just blowing teams away. And even without Ivan Tony, the best player in the league last season, I believe that they are a club whose system gets the best out of strikers and therefore I don't think it's as simple as Tony is gone, Peterborough score fewer goals. They were the highest scorers in the league last season. I expect them to probably be the highest scorers in the league this season uh, and they've done some good business with that Tony money, bringing in Johnson Clark-Harris. Not exactly a like-for-like player, but someone who can offer a physical presence and bring other attacking talents like Siriki Dembele and the recently signed Sami Smodics into play. Mo Iser as well. Don't write him off. We know he started last season very well and is an excellent goal scorer. Uh, Another team towards the top of the betting, George, and a team close to your heart, is Oxford United. A lot of positivity about the club, who went so close losing in the playoff final against Wickham. One Big departure. Most teams lose a key player or two at this level, it's fair to say. How much of a concern is the departure of Rob Dickey and how are you feeling about the season?
0: On a playing side, it is a concern. But but the way that Oxford United are run is to invest in talent and then sell that talent on and then reinvest. So almost for the necessity of the football club, players need to be sold every summer. And Dickie is the one to go this summer. Cameron Brannigan was expected by most people to leave. He stays at the club and signs a new contract. So that in itself is something like a new signing and and plenty of others to get excited about as well for the neutral. Marcus McGuane, I would say, is one of the most interesting signings in the EFL so far. Um, Pedigree at Arsenal. He was then bought by Barcelona. Uh, Made a first team appearance for Barcelona as well before being released and going to Nottingham Forest and joins Oxford on loan to get... A proper taste of first team football and he looks very very lively indeed but in terms of Dicky, he moves on to QPR a, a very very competent and capable uh, centre-back with, with a great passing ability as well and he'll be missed but an interesting player coming in called Rob Atkinson who uh, will take Dickey's place kind of as a left-sided centre-back uh, he came in from Eastleigh in January uh, from the National League and hadn't played a game until pre-season. But he looks remarkably similar to Dicky. although left-footed. He's one of those centre-backs who seems to like getting the ball in defence and just charging forward, <laughs> running, just galumphing up the pitch. Um, so that could be an interesting one for Oxford. But certainly a lot of people excited about Atkinson, aged just 22. And there aren't many left-footed centre-backs knocking around as well. So I think we're going to be talking about one later
1: on in the League 2 section. You're sounding quite positive, but probably don't want to stick your neck out. and uh, and predict. no automatic promotion
0: Carl Robinson signed the new four-year deal which gives some stability as well but as we've mentioned I think that both Pompey and posh look very strong indeed and I'm not writing off Sunderland so I'm not sitting here telling you that Oxford are gonna um, are gonna walk the league as some fans would have you believe but at the same time certainly I think those four at the top of the market all very very solid They're, they're solid cases that you can't really find a reason why they shouldn't be competitive again this season The same probably can't be said about the team next up. Charlton, who, as we said, were 11-1. to Um, The off-field issues at the club have blighted uh, everything going on at the Valley, Um, even dating back to last time they were in this division and got promoted at Wembley. It looks like things are getting sorted. Um, Thomas Sandgaard, the the Danish businessman based in America, seems to be buying the club, fingers crossed. Where does that leave them?
1: Well, it leaves them in a... Tough situation, but one that can be overcome because the transfer window is still open for another month uh, or so. I think four or five games into the season, the transfer window will close towards the middle of October. So this Charlton side, which let's be clear, has already a fairly strong looking starting 11 on paper. There are a few players like Dylan Phillips and Alfie Doty, especially McCauley Bond as well, who are still being linked to moves away. But the squad that exists, certainly compared to another club that we'll talk about later in Wigan, is a decent squad on paper. And in Lee Bowyer, they have a manager that we believe in a lot. But I think the difficulty behind the scenes and the lack of stability has got to have hurt them over the last month or so. You can't imagine that their plans for the season have been solid because of of what's going on above them. Now, Thomas Sandgaard said a couple of days ago, he's still 100% confident uh, that a deal will be struck and that he will be the new owner of the club. But the longer it goes on, the more it undermines Charlton's potential on the pitch Um, we're still quite hopeful that things will resolve themselves off the pitch and that by mid-October they could be a really strong proposition for this league but it's very difficult to say that with concrete confidence right now Uh, and it's very difficult to know what to expect from Ipswich Town under Paul Lambert they started last season very well in League One their first time at this level for quite some time Uh, but they finished it by losing seven of their last league games and finishing 11th on points per game but they are priced up here George as as one of the protagonists one of the favourites why do you think that is do do you have any confidence (laughs) that they will improve
0: which question do I answer first Uh, why it is I I think you look at the the, the size of the club and I know it shouldn't be the case but Ipswich in terms of of just their reputation Ali I know it's not a, a, a phrase you like people using but their reputation as Ipswich just will make people believe that they should be better than this level. Paul Lambert is a manager with a reputation that should be higher than League One. And then it's easy to just think about how poor they were at the back end of last season. Seven losses in their last nine games. But you just look at their squad again and it's just hard to understand why they were so poor. And Paul Lambert has effectively done the same thing. He's sticking rather than twisting just a couple of additions. They picked up Ollie Hawkins from, from Portsmouth, which looks like a decent pickup, but they've already got Caden Jackson and James Norwood, so it's not necessarily a position up top where they're short. Stephen Ward will add something at left back, some defensive solidity that they maybe lacked last season with Luke Garbutt and Miles Kenlock, but he's 34 years old, so just a steady signing, you have to say. But last season was, in effect, seemingly just too bad to be true. They were absolutely appalling in the second half of the season. And after a decent start, you and I flagged at the time that the kind of underlying data around their form early on, which saw them at the top of the table, kind of was was raising some red flags and that turned out to be the case. So I wouldn't be rushing to back Ipswich at this stage by any stretch. I think we'd have to see some evidence that things over the summer have improved. The return of Kane-Vincent Young is massive at right-back because he was crucial to that good form early on and his injury certainly coincided with the dip. Um, but given you know the fan unrest towards the end of last season around Lambert... But his long-term deal that he signed at the turn of the year, I think it was either four or five years, the contract that he signed, means that things could unravel pretty quickly at Ipswich again. It kind of reminds me a little bit of, of Sunderland's second season where you're looking at it thinking... They didn't have a great first season. They haven't really done enough to improve again, and they've got a manager who who came unstuck despite his reputation. So tricky at this stage, I would say, to be overly positive on Ipswich. I think maybe where they're benefiting and why they are in the, where they are in the market might be because the teams relegated from the championship don't come down in particularly rude health, uh, and one of them uh, in Hull are somewhat unfancied and maybe unsurprisingly given just how poor they were after the January transfer window last season in which they <laughs> sold Kamil Krasitsky and Jared Bowen. The recruitment has been sensible by the looks of things, but how quickly can you take a team that was in reverse and put them back into drive?
1: Well, I'm not going to answer that question. What I'm going to do <laughs> is say a few things and let the listeners decide what they think the, the outcome is here. You talk about Ipswich's miserable form towards the back end of last season. Can I interest you in 16 defeats in 20 games? picking up just six points from a possible 60. Uh, That was the form that saw this team relegated. And here are a few things I can tell you. Uh, The manager stays the same. Grant McCann is trusted with picking up the pieces. And it will be fascinating, uh, just as a case study, I suppose, to see how easy that is to do um, without changing the manager. Many teams, as we know, would have pulled the trigger by now, but McCann is being trusted. Uh, There is a Continued poor relationship between the owners and the fans, which we would not normally consider to be particularly conducive to an immediate uh, return to the second tier. But they have bought some pretty eye-catching players for this level, it's fair to say. Louis Coyle, especially, and Greg Doherty in midfield. They come down with players like Malik Wilkes, who we know to be a very good player at this level on his day um, with young Scottish winger James Scott looking like a a serious potential prospect. And with Tom Eaves uh, back at a League One level where he thrived last time, Um, they do have a very good team on paper. So it'll be interesting when you mix all of those statements into the cauldron of Hull City 2021, uh, what will actually happen. Uh, there we go with the League One protagonists as put together by Paddy Power. Next up, we're going to look at the teams that they think will be facing the drop. So that is the top seven in the betting market as per Paddy Power for League One. We're going to go right down to the bottom now. Let's take a look at some of the teams that are potentially facing the drop in League One. Four relegation places up for grabs. It's always a horrendous, grim terrible relegation battle. Let's see who is tipped to be there this season.
0: Definitely horrendous and grim if you're involved, but always interesting if you're not. Uh, looking at the Paddy Power odds again, the sponsors of the show, and Rochdale are odds on. They are 8 to 11 favorites for the drop. AFC Wimbledon 11 to 10. Northampton last year's League 2 playoff winners are 6 to 4. Shrewsbury 5 to 2. And then Accrington and Wigan both eleven to four. Lots of interesting cases there to talk about. Ali, we're going to start with Dale. Are they destined for the drop?
1: It will be one of the best feats of management uh, if Brian Barry Murphy can keep this Rochdale side up. That might seem like an odd thing to say because they've been at this level for a while now, uh, and the last three seasons they've been well. They've been down there, but they have successfully avoided the drop without too much concern. Uh, my concern this season is the departure of some senior and key players. Uh, Ian Henderson, their number one goal scorer for such a long time now. Callum Camps, who despite only being 24, was a huge part of this team. Uh, MJ Williams at the back and Reese Norrington Davis, who is brilliant down the left hand side for them. Uh, he was on loan for Sheffield United and is now in the championship on loan with Luton. Uh, for me, that is enough To say that this Rochdale side are going to struggle to reach the same levels as last season where at times they really did struggle to keep the opposition out and at other times they really struggled to score goals so for me it is looking pretty perilous for Rochdale but as I say if Brian Barry Murphy can get an amazing spirit amongst what will be a very young squad then who knows what could happen. Dale have done it before and they could well do it again, but it's going to be very, very tough. Wimbledon, George, are forever tipped for the drop, but since they got promoted from League Two, it's been four years of safety in a row. Uh, What do you reckon their prospects are for the coming season?
0: It's always difficult to say with with AFC Wimbledon. Uh, You and I often fall into the trap of taking the easy route of thinking, you know, they're playing a a little bit above their level. How long can this last? Surely eventually they're going to get relegated. Glenn Hodges, another rookie manager now in his, his first full season um, as the the main man at AFC Wimbledon. But they keep proving people wrong and they've made a couple of, of shrewd signings, you have to say. Olly Palmer and Alex Woodyard, um, both kind of in their late 20s with, with a wealth of EFL experience. Both, at, you know, Oli Palmer has been around the block for a while, but Woodyard, especially at Peterborough. And getting in some loanees as well from Brentford and uh, and Brighton, two clubs whose academies are run so smartly. And if, if AFC Wimbledon can cultivate relationships with a kind of club like Brentford, that would set them in good stead. We don't know necessarily, uh, we're not going to sit here and say that there's plenty of League One proven calibre. But they are kind of becoming the team now where you write them off at your peril because they continue to surprise teams. They were effective and played pretty well in their Carabao Cup. one all draw at Oxford last weekend before going out on penalties. Maybe they're going to be one of the sides whose lack of depth in certain areas could affect them given the amount of football that will be played this season. But I'm not ruling them out whatsoever, Ali. I've got to say I've learnt my lesson with AFC Wimbledon. Next up is is Cobblers, is Northampton who won Uh, at Wembley in such impressive fashion. They then beat Cardiff 3-0, Championship Cardiff in the Carabao Cup. Only three players started that game who started at Wembley before. So it looks like a new side. Are they going to be good enough to ward off the relegation battle, Ali?
1: It's so tough to say. I mean, the, the two things are true here. Last season in League Two, for large swathes of the campaign, Northampton did not look like a particularly impressive side, despite having a... Uh, a squad with plenty of quality, um, but once the playoffs started, once football returned, uh, you couldn't argue that they looked easily the, uh, the the most impressive side, and they played a style that the oppositions, uh, both Cheltenham and Exeter, simply couldn't handle. Uh, things have continued in the same vein as we approach the start to the season, so um, you know they've certainly going into this with huge confidence despite the departure of some key members of that promotion squad namely charlie good who was sold to brentford for over a million pounds and also callum morton who was on loan from west brom up top who scored the goals to send them up Uh, and uh, you know they're still feeling quite positive because they have Replace those players with uh, a, a few canny signings at the back and up top. Keith Curl seems to have, have found a style of play that, although uh, a lot of people will call it old school, it'll be very direct. There'll be an onus on set pieces and hoisting long balls into the box. Uh, it, at the moment, it looks to be a pretty effective way of playing. And let's not forget that there was a team promoted from this division last season in Wick and Wanderers who also played a, a style of football that was very direct and very heavy on creating chances from set pieces. So uh, I suspect that as the season goes on, uh, they might struggle, but I'm expecting a fast start from Curls Cobblers and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, two other teams that are priced up to be near the bottom of the table are Shrewsbury and Accrington Stanley. Now for these two sides to get relegated, George, that would be a bit of a regression on last season. So how do you think they head into the, the campaign?
0: I'm going to be very quick here, Ali. And as long as John yeah. Coleman is Accrington Stanley manager, I'm not having them going down. I've got to say he has proven himself season upon season to be able to get aside, performing way above what the level of the players, the level of their budget. And as long as he is at the helm, then I find it very hard to see how they will be sucked into a relegation battle. With, with Shrewsbury, it's not necessarily so easy. They've lost some quality. This summer, Roman Vancellor, Josh Laurent has gone to Reading, Omar Beckles has gone to Crew. These have been key players for them in the last couple of seasons as well and will be big misses. And they've all left on a free transfer, so not getting any bang for their buck either. Looking at the players that have come in, there's not much to get excited about. A couple of unknowns. Uh, Josh Daniels has come, come over from Northern Ireland. We don't know much about him. Uh, Raquel Pike and Scott High join as well. Um, but there's not enough quality from what I'm seeing in the squad. Sam Ricketts looks to me, out of those two, and if you were going to ask me, they're similar prices for the relegation, Shrewsbury and Accrington. If you asked me who I was more worried about, it would be Shrewsbury. Um, this is the kind of the big question, I guess, at this level. And, and we're all very worried, everybody who's following the EFL, about Wigan. Uh, Wigan are 11 to 4 for the drop. Things off the pitch don't look like they're quite as advanced in terms of, of getting somewhere near to where they need to be Um, as they were when we were talking about Charlton just a second ago.
1: Yeah, there's understandable frustration and concern amongst the Wigan fan base and and wider observers of EFL football at the seeming lack of progress. And the administrators have been uh, in for a while now trying to get the club ship shape and ready for a takeover. As we stand at the moment, uh, there are still a few supposed front runners and interested parties, but it feels like as ever, There's a lot of complicated wranglings and negotiations over the price of of certain parts of the club, not just the club itself, which is up for one pound as a selling price. But of course, there's so much attached to it the stadium, uh, the training ground, and even a chip shop next to the ground, which uh, all of those things are supposed to be uh, part of a deal to take over the club. And at the moment, the proposed buyers are sort of, well, there's not a huge amount of progress from what we've seen. So what that means is that the squad is having to be sold off in order to just pay the wages and keep the club running day-to-day and and week-to-week before a takeover comes. That means that they do head into the season uh, with just a shell of that squad that was so impressive in the championship last season. Uh, a couple of uh, a couple of players like Sam Morsi and Nathan Byrne would be far too good for this level if they are there, if they are available and if they are motivated. Um, but it's a really tough spot for those players to be in as well because they will have suitors at uh, championship level at the very least. So, um, look, they are running behind, aren't they? If we're talking about footballing matters, if we're talking about squad building ahead of the new season, uh, as I mentioned, the transfer window has another month or so. So there is time, but they are swiftly running out of it. And even if a transfer, even if a takeover rather, does get completed in the next week or two, of course, then they're, they're, they're sort of shopping in the bargain been aren't they players that um, are still available they will have missed out on a a lot of targets that they would otherwise have been interested in so from my perspective and for a lot of Wigan fans the the only objective is that their club continues to survive and eventually is taken over by someone who can help to move it forward and help to, to get it back onto an even keel because clearly they were running in a way that was unsustainable and beholden to an owner who had in the end, no interest in, in keeping the club running. So that needs to be sorted before we talk about them as a football club. It will just be nice to see uh, a Wigan side on the pitch, hopefully for the whole season. Uh, we'll make sure that we are covering this story closely uh, on Totally Football League Show extra time throughout the season. Now we've talked about the protagonist. We've talked about those facing the drop. What about some managers and players to watch? That's what we're going to get our teeth into next. Right, George, the speed skating continues through League One. Outside of the teams that we've already spoken about, we've got some managers and some players to watch. Which manager are you excited about heading into this League One campaign?
0: Every so often, Ali, when we're talking about League One, there is a player who you just know is destined for greater things. And, you know, Ivan Tony was an example of that last season. We've seen it plenty of times. You know they're just passing through. And that is the case with a manager in my opinion, in Ryan Lowe at Plymouth. He is mightily impressive in what he has done in his first couple of years as a manager. He took Bury up from League Two, playing an incredible brand of football. It was just a shame he never got to take that team into League One after the off-field issues and the club's expulsion from the EFL. He then, surprisingly to me, because I thought he might get a job higher up, took on Plymouth Argyle in League Two. And Argyle, again, last season, after maybe a slow start, clicked and were pretty rampant in the way that they rose up the table and secured automatic promotion. He seems to be a guy who just gets management. He can get players playing at a higher level than what they were at before, playing this expansive style, this attacking style, which is what every fan wants to see as well. He was linked to the Bristol City job over the summer. I thought he would have been a brilliant fit there. Even last summer, when we were talking about Jack Ross leaving Sunderland, I said that he would be a great fit for a club like Sunderland. He's built for that big club mentality. And I think Argyle's biggest achievement possibly this season will be to keep hold of him and I think they'll have to be doing so towards the top end of the table because I'd be very very surprised if we're not talking about him as at least a championship manager in a couple of seasons time and he got promoted alongside another boss who's doing great things in his managerial infancy (laughs) at Swindon Town.
1: Yeah, Richie Wellens is the one for me, Swindon Town manager, Swindon champions in League Two last season. They kicked on hugely from the previous season and the common theme there was the standards being set and implemented by this manager, Richie Wellens. Um, He has set up a team that are very much in tune with modern styles, clever pressing and and a focus on hurting teams in transition play. Uh, But make no bones about it, this Swindon side are more than comfortable on the ball, but they certainly don't pass for the sake of it. Uh, Last season, they had a striker in Owen Doyle who scored 25 goals in 28 league games for the club. Uh, he has stayed in League Two with Bolton, and it remains to be seen how Wellens and his Swindon side cope. I have a feeling they will be just fine. This is a manager who sets insanely high standards. Who's who's the sort of character where if you played under him, he was a sort he'd be the sort of manager that you were actually secretly pretty terrified of, and you'd be constantly striving to impress him. He's he's not one to give much praise, and he's very likely to call out. Uh, local media, national media, whoever it is, if they, if he thinks that their line of questioning is, uh, is not up to scratch. So a manager that I have a lot of time for looking forward to seeing how he approaches league one, uh, then Joey Barton, George of Fleetwood. He's been around now for what feels like quite a long time and his Fleetwood side have been progressing alongside his own managerial career.
0: Yeah, I think it's a matter of time. I don't know if it'll be this season, but it's a matter of time until Joey Barton and Fleetwood get promoted out of this league. Um, the squad, the personnel he brings in, continues to improve. Like we raised our eyebrows last year at, at Paul Coots arriving from Sheffield United. Chad Evans, of course, as well. And then he's signed uh, Mark Duffy, another Sheffield United old boy who just feels like he should be a quality above. Barton, the player, obviously grabbed the headlines possibly for the wrong reasons, uh, for the most part uh, in his playing days. But as a manager... We hear less of him it's fair to say and he's proven that he can build a very very capable football team i think towards the back end of last season before the playoffs they were unbeaten in, in 12 or 13 going into the playoffs we then maybe saw joey barton the player coming out in their performance in the first leg uh, they lost 4-1 at home to fleetwood with two men being sent off possible they were a that. bit
1: too up for that one maybe maybe
0: <laughs> but this does feel i mean i, I think fleetwood had if they hadn't uh, suffered such a fate of getting two men sent off in the first leg, especially the first one, Louis Cor being sent off just over half an hour into the game. I think they'd have been a force to be reckoned within those playoffs and we could be talking about them as a championship side now. But anybody who underestimates Barton and his Fleetwood side based on what they know about Barton the man or Barton the player is doing him a disservice because he's you know he's in for this fight. He's a proper EFL manager now and a very, very capable one at that. So I'm excited to see how they get on this season. They do need to sign a couple of defenders, though. A little bit short in that area as it stands at the moment. MK Dodds appointed a rookie manager midway through last season. He was a player at the time, Ali, uh, Russell Martin. But there was enough... To make you think it could have been a shrewd move
1: do you know what i think russell martin could probably do a pretty good job in the heart of joey barton's fleetwood defense (laughs) um this is the youngest manager in the whole of the efl russell martin at just 34 years of age i mean he's got tons of experience at all levels as a player hugely well respected and liked by basically everyone he's ever come across in the game and therefore I think a lot of people are hoping that this will be another young managerial gem uh, to grow in the EFL as you say he walked into MK Dons where he'd been a player um, in a tough situation and while he was in charge uh, they had the 14th best record in League 1 steering them to fairly comfortable survival in the end Uh, now this summer he hasn't necessarily been helped out uh, by the fact that he's lost arguably his best midfielder and unarguably his best striker uh, in Alex Gilby and Reese Healy respectively. Healy, if he'd been there could have been a real difference maker at this level but it looks like uh, very much in the theme of a lot of young managers, he wants a, a tidy passing style I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out at Stadium MK uh, and uh, really excited uh, for Russell Martin the manager to have a similar career to Russell Martin the player uh, and last but not least George, we couldn't go a whole pod without talking about Michael Appleton because he looks like he might be doing another excellent job at Lincoln this season. We will really judge him.
0: Yeah, anybody who's followed Michael Appleton's career probably would have realised that last season was a bit of a free hit. Uh, He came in um, to replace the Cowley brothers at Lincoln, a squad not built in any way to suit his style of football. And it felt like they kind of coasted through the season just waiting for the end of it so that they could reinvest and get the players in that he wanted. And, And the fact that, The COVID break happened, um, having spoken to Michael Appleton on the show a couple of weeks ago, sounded like a good thing because they meant in March, as soon as it happened, they started their recruitment process and they brought in, I think, nine players so far, more still to come in the door. And I'm pretty sure the Lincoln side we saw under Appleton last season will be very, very different to this one. He seems to think that they're another season away, maybe, from being one of the best teams in the division. But we saw at Oxford United, Appleton took over a side not built for him, had a very steady I mean steady is actually probably a compliment it was a poor first season then we saw a similar churn of players and promotion was on the cards in the next one so if they make a fast start I definitely think that Lincoln could be one of the dark horses
1: for the league Well, this section is players to watch in League One this season. And we're starting off with something of a cop-out, George, because when you talk about crew, you can't really pick one. We're talking about a collective of young players that we're excited to see make the step up.
0: And we're amazed that they're still there. Uh, Perry and G, Harry Pickering, Ryan Wintle and Charlie Kirk are the four, four crew uh, academy grads. And all four of them certainly have the ability and the talent and the youth uh, to go on to, to to maybe greater things. Perry and G is the, is the senior statesman of the group, the the club captain at the you know the the old age of twenty four, um, an attacking right back who's really impressive. Harry Pickering, who's just signed a new contract plays on the left-hand side, both flying full-backs with great pace and technical ability. Ryan Wintle gets everything ticking along in midfield whilst Charlie Kirk is the forward playing inside, off Pickering on the left-hand side. He's got a real eye for goal, a real bag of tricks as well and, and a player that I I, mean, I... I effectively think all four of these players are probably ready now to play Championship football. So the fact yeah. that Crewe have all of them at the moment playing in League One is really impressive and, and I have a feeling manager David Artel will often be looking at the date on his phone, just praying that mid-October can come so that he can go into the season knowing he's going to have this group at his disposal. Um, Ben Whiteman, Ali, is is the one you're going to be talking about, Uh, another one who's been linked to a move away, but at the moment, is still a Doncaster Rovers player.
1: Yeah, it may not be long until we have to talk about Ben Whiteman as a championship player to watch rather than a League One player to watch. But while he is still the captain, leader, legend at the base of Doncaster's midfield, I am going to be talking about him because I think he is possibly the best player in the whole division. As I say, it, it feels like a bold call, but he's just the modern midfield player he can play at the base of midfield a sort of number six role he's very comfortable box to box and is a goal threat as well Uh, he made the most passes in league one last season he's still a young player but captains a Doncaster side that could be anything really this year and a lot of their chances I think hinge on whether Whiteman is there or not he is a player that you have to watch in the flesh to really appreciate I think so where possible. Please try to do that. But I'm looking forward to seeing him. I'm also looking forward to seeing Alfie Kilgore of Bristol Rovers. This is a 22-year-old centre-back born in Bristol, been in the Rovers Academy since he was eight years old. These are the sorts of stories that we love to see in the EFL because after a few non-league loans, he was straight into the heart of a three-man defence last season and looked every bit the modern defender, really aggressive and and, and likes to defend on the front foot and fly into, into duels and tackles. And headers, um, but also very decent in possession. So I think he's got a very bright future. Alfie Kilgore. Anyone else from League One, George, that you're excited to see?
0: Yeah, Bez Barla is a really intriguing signing um, because I feel like it could go either way. Uh, he was released from Birmingham and turned up at Crawley Town last season without much known about him, I guess, from Crawley fans. And he very, very quickly caught the imagination with some unbelievable goals coming in off the left-hand side. The goals slightly dried up towards the end of the season but he managed 12 in the league which is a decent return and certainly always one who fans are going to enjoy watching with his dribbling ability and his willingness to shoot from distance as well and he joins a host of really exciting attacking players under Neil Critchley at Blackpool so I'm not necessarily sure that he's going to light up the division, but if there is somebody who could do it, (laughs) he would rank right up there. And And I think we might be seeing a few of his goals on the highlights packages, certainly this season. That brings us to an end of our League One preview, but we've got exactly the same coming up in League Two, going through the runners and riders in both the promotion race, the relegation race, and some key figures in the dugout and out on the pitch.
1: This is the Totally Football League Show with Ali Maxwell and George Ellick.
0: So here we are for the League 2 preview in the Totally Football League show Extra Time. And as with League 1, we are going to start with the promotion race. And our sponsors Paddy Power have priced up a host of anti-post markets, including, of course, the winner market. And Bolton are the 5-1 to favourites ahead of Salford in 6-1. to one. Mansfield Town are 10-1 to one ahead of Exeter and Tranmere, both 11-1. And maybe Dark Horses, Port Vale are 14 to 1. But Ali, we'll start at the top. We'll start with Bolton. Been another summer of change at Bolton. What do you reckon for them as favourites?
1: Well, the first thing to say is that it's very positive at Bolton Wanderers at the moment. Finally, things have been mostly sorted out off the field. There was a recent piece on The Athletic by Matt Slater, which I would massively suggest reading just to get an overview of of where they're at off the field after such a horrendous five to 10 years or so. But there's positivity on the field because after two relegations in a row and essentially a lost season last year where they had to cope with a points deduction, where they had to start the season with a group of youth team players and then basically buy a whole new team. If you want the next documentary in the EFL. They should have sent cameras to Bolton last season. It would have been an amazing watch. Now they can look forward and they can be positive. And I think they've got a team that will win football matches. And that is the sort of base level, I think, for Bolton fans at the moment. I'm a bit worried that the pressure that comes with being favourites for the league is, is not ideal because I think they do need to take a bit of time just to grow and to mesh. Gel, because this is a whole new side from last season. A whole squad has been released. A whole squad has been signed. Uh, some eye-catching names in there, as you'd imagine. Owen Doyle, last season's top goal scorer, last season's only prolific goal scorer in League Two. Uh, Sarcevic as well, who was one of the players of the season in promotion with Plymouth. I do think it might take a bit of time for this side to gel under Ian Evatt, who comes very highly rated from the National League. So uh, I'm just looking forward to the. Bolton fans having a team to support, having a team that will win matches uh, before getting ahead of myself and predicting a a walk uh, to the League Two title. They're they're predicted as favourites with Salford City, George. uh, What do you feel about their own prospects?
0: Yeah, I think if a camera crew are going to turn up at any League Two club, it's probably more likely to be Salford City. Um, <laughs> they've been there for about 10 years. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the recruitment this summer for Salford seems to be the recruitment that everybody anticipated would happen last summer. They brought in so many players who most clubs in League Two would absolutely love to have as an option. I mean, Ashley Hunter coming in from Fleetwood aged 24 is a key example. Jordan Turnbull at 25 coming in from Northampton, having one promotion with them. Tom Clark, who was Preston's captain in in the Championship last season, Ian Henderson, who is you know on his way to becoming Rochdale's top ever goalscorer, uh, leading the line. Jason Lowe brings up so much experience, instead only twenty eight years old, and a player that I know you're very excited about. Ali in Václav Ladky in from Saint Mirren, who comes with rave reviews and had an incredible game on debut in the Carabao Cup, and they're adding to what was already a very good and sizeable squads with a manager in Graham Alexander, who is clearly a a good custodian at this level. It's hard to find any faults with the Salford side at all. And if I was going to make my odds up, sorry Paddy, then I reckon I'd have Salford just ahead of Bolton as favourites for this league. Mansfield are third in the betting though, and they came 21st last season. What's going on there?
1: (laughs) That would be a hell of a leap, wouldn't it? From 21st to 3rd. And it's a reflection of basically this Mansfield uh, team, or rather the club, being very ambitious over the last few years. And when I say ambitious, what I mean is that they have been uh, spending quite a lot of money on various squads that they hope would win promotion. They got very close under David Flickcroft. They just missed out uh, two seasons ago. And last season, New Dawn under John Dempster could barely have gone worse. Uh, Graham Coughlin came in halfway through the season to pick up the pieces. 21st place finish was about as grim as it gets for a side that was meant to be right up there. Uh, again, there's a bit of a reset here. Uh, a lot of the players who have been at the club, both in successful times and unsuccessful times have moved on. Uh, talents such as CJ Hamilton and Otis Khan, uh, but also defensive players like Christian Pierce and Hayden White uh, have all left the club And there's been an onus on signing some younger players, some maybe more technical and skillful players. And I'm excited to see George Maris and and O'Keefe, who comes in as well. Coughlin, certainly at Bristol Rovers, and I assume at Mansfield as well, will look to, to sort of build from the back up they'll, they'll look to be a solid side probably set up in a 3-5-2 and probably play a fairly direct brand of football they've got so many attacking options at the top end of the pitch that it does feel like they will be strong but as you keep telling me George to go from 21st to the top three would be pretty unprecedented uh, and I'm not sure if they're necessarily ready for that so I, I think maybe a you know a late playoff push could be on the cards for Mansfield I'd be I'd be quite surprised to see them right up there from the very beginning. But then again, we're saying that about seemingly quite a lot of the teams towards the the top of the table, George. What about next up in the running, Exeter and Tranmere. They're both... Hurting, I'd say from what happened a few months ago, Exeter getting absolutely humiliated uh, in the playoff final by a Northampton side that was better in every aspect and Tranmere smarting from being relegated on a points per game system and finding themselves back in league two, where they thought they had quite a good chance of survival in league one. Uh, How are they shaping up these two sides?
0: Yeah. Beware of the wounded beast. I would say with both of these with Exeter, as you say, I mean, humiliated humiliated at Wembley, but we often see sides who lose and playoff finals come back a little bit stronger. And I have a feeling that manager Matt Taylor is not the emotional kind. He's going pretty much again with what they had last season. And Randall Williams continues to be an extra player on the right hand side. And you know you mentioned Ben Whiteman as one of the best players in League One. Well I think that Randall Williams has to be one of the most influential players in terms of assists and what he can do in the final third in League Two. With Tranmere, it's a little bit different. The whole club feel like they shouldn't be in this league. They feel like the points per game that was used in order to relegate them was unfair given their improved form before the break in football. And I think, you know, a bit of amateur psychology here. I just think the whole club will be galvanised in order to right that wrong. And they've invested heavily in the squad in the summer as well. Although Mickey Mellon, the manager, has moved on and we don't know much about new manager Michael Jackson. And no... I did not use a pun in that whole sentence, so don't go back and check. Um, Finally, Ali, the dark
1: horses, supposedly, that's at least what you've written down in the notes, Port Vale. (laughs) They are popular dark horses. Uh, The most exciting part of the lead up to the season is everyone putting together their predicted league tables, Uh, fans and, uh, well, interested observers. And one very regular theme has been Port Vale being placed up there so to speak and I think everyone just is of the opinion that this is the club that's moving in the right direction Uh, they had a change in ownership uh, just over a year ago probably 18 months ago now uh, and it changed them from being a club that didn't seem to have much direction off the pitch to one that certainly does uh, and not only that uh, is doing important work in the community and just building a really nice atmosphere around the place. Uh, on the pitch, things were going pretty well. And in fact, the club got a lot of plaudits for the fact that they voted for the season to finish, even though they were only one point outside the playoffs. That makes me think they are pretty confident and bullish that they will be good again this season. And I think that could... Very, very easily take them all the way towards the top end of this division. They've kept the majority of that squad uh, that was just outside the playoffs. They've added a little bit of extra quality as well. Everything is pointing in the right direction for Port Vale. And maybe the more people say it, the more worrying it becomes. Um, But we'll we'll wait and see how they go. Next up for League Two, we're going to look at the teams potentially facing the drop into non-league. Yeah, League Two relegation certainly over the last few years has proven fairly difficult to predict. Only two teams dropped down into non-league, of course. So you have to be pretty bad to be relegated from this division. Uh, but there will be two sides that manage that. And Morecambe have been priced up at 3-1 to favourites for the drop. Oldham at 4-1. to one. Stevenage and Grimsby at 11-2, to two, according to Paddy. And Southend, who were in League One last season and came bottom of that league, are 6-1 to one for a second successive promotion. George, uh, they are the favourites for relegation. I think from our perspective, though, Things might be looking up, both for Oldham and for Morecambe.
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, Morecambe have a manager in Derek Adams, who, is, who has proven himself at Plymouth Argyle previously. He came in last season and immediately improved them. And as I said with AFC Wimbledon in League One, people who continue to tip Morecambe for relegation often come pretty quickly unstuck in League Two with only two relegation places. And there's often a bit of carnage off the pitch for some of these teams down towards the bottom. It's quite a hard league to get relegated from. Um, Just ask the team we're going to be talking about in a second, Stevenage, who managed to get relegated, start signing players in the National League and then suddenly have a reprieve. They did their best, but they couldn't do it. So I think tipping up Morecambe to be the relegated side is maybe just a little bit too easy. For Oldham, there are still issues with the ownership. It's been pretty... Um, you know, unstable and uncertain there for a while. But this summer, things seem to have changed. No longer signing players you've never heard of and having to look immediately on Wikipedia for for their history around the European leagues. They're now managed by Harry Kuehl, a, a manager who has a lot to prove after a decent spell at Crawley and then a very, very poor spell indeed at Notts County. And they've brought in just a fair bit of, of proven EFL League Two quality, nothing particularly spectacular, but players who you can anticipate will at the very worst be, be solid here. And that makes a massive change for what we've seen in the past. And do you know
1: what, George? I quite enjoyed it when Oldham had international players from Haiti and Curacao in their side, although I do accept that it didn't necessarily lead to them picking up a lot of wins.
0: I, I have no <laughs> issue at all with you know spreading the net a bit wider in terms of recruitment, but it didn't really work. None of these players were seemingly of the, of the necessary quality yes. to play in League 2. But there are that some interesting important. signings here. Connor McAlaney is one that I really like from Fleetwood. I think he might score a lot of goals. Uh, Silo John Batty is a player at Wickham who did very, very good things before Kind of Wickham, I guess, outgrew him. Uh, at right back, Cameron Borthwick-Jackson playing for Manchester United first team just a couple of years ago, Ali, playing at left back as well. And, and some interesting players there. So And Kewl, with a point to prove. But I mentioned Stevenage, but this Stevenage this season is very different the Stevenage of last season.
1: Well, it looks like they're going to grab the opportunity to stay in the league with both hands, by which I mean they have kept a core of just, well, a handful of players, the likes of Scott Cuthbert and Charlie Carter and Elliot List, who were part of, uh, uh, and Luther Wilden as well, who's a right back that we like a lot, uh, who were part of that terrible terrible season last year where there was just so much squad churn they used over 30 players in the league a couple of managers came in and out as well but Alex Ravel has has kept that group of Four or five players from last season and otherwise added a whole new squad. The hope is that they can't possibly be as bad as last season. If they can just focus, if they can try some consistency, uh, I do think that they should be fine. Southend come down from League t- League One uh, where they were, well, they had a pretty historically bad season, barely picked up any points and shipped Uh, almost a million goals uh, from what I can remember off the top of my head. Uh, They come down with a, a, a very young squad. There are a couple of more senior players in there, players like Timothy Dieng and John White. But in general, they're leaning on a, a very green and inexperienced group of young players, many of whom we are led to believe are very, very talented and could have bright futures in the game, especially Charlie Kelman, uh, who is a striker that we've already seen score a league goal from the halfway line uh, and a couple of other impressive strikes as well. So he's someone to watch out for. I guess the concern for South End is... Do they have that stability? You would say probably not. You would say that their new manager, Mark Mosley, who did wonderful things with Weymouth in non-league, maybe doesn't necessarily have the platform that he would like to, to build a settled side. And yet maybe some of these players will come to the fore uh, and will step up to this level and surprise us. We have our doubts, I think it's fair to say, about South End. We're not sure that things are moving in the right direction for that club. I think that's probably a nice way of putting it. Um, so there's definitely some concern for, from us for South Southend. Um, and then a team that I was kind of surprised to see, Paddy, uh, tipping up as the joint third favourites for relegation was Grimsby Town. Because I was under the impression, George, that after Ian Holloway uh, was appointed manager, was on the board as well. I've just seen that their assistant manager left and they're not going to replace him. So Holloway is manager, assistant manager, uh, board, member. board board member as well.
0: If I'm looking down the whole EFL team that I'm probably most excited to see how it all pans out <laughs> is probably Grimsby Town. Or I think we can yeah. just rename them Ian Holloway FC. Um, there are loads of players that they brought in who I think are, are positive signings. Uh, George Williams is, a, is an interesting one from Forrest Green, somebody who's at an age where I guess we probably expected more of him at this stage, but, but certainly has the, has the potential to be very, very good. Uh, Sean Scannell and Danny Rose bring in some, some experience into midfield. A player who I think is going to be a Totally Football League show extra time favourite this season, a player who we're either going to be talking about pretty much every week or he's never going to play and we'll never talk of him again, is Bilal Moshni. Um, a player, a centre back from from who's we might remember from Southend a few years ago. Who I think scored about twenty league goals in sixty games from centre back. Um, he basically either scores goals or gets sent off. He is a larry larry man um, who it doesn't take much to rile him up, but he's also totally dominant in the air. And he's just box office. He's a box office footballer, and I'm excited. I, I never thought we'd see him returning to the EFL, and I'm delighted that Ian Hill Holloway has done it. I'm not having them at all as, as relegation candidates at this stage. I think Holloway has enough about him with this squad as well to keep them pretty clear. And maybe they could even surprise a few teams up towards the top end of the table. Um, and maybe another one tip to struggle possibly is, is Cambridge United.
1: Yeah, they are. And look, they were not a particularly good side last season. Although I never felt like they were... Uh, you know, too concerned about uh, getting relegated, and because Stevenage was so poor last year, and there was only one relegation spot up for grabs because of Macclesfield's off-field problems, I do think there was a swathe of League Two clubs who were able just to be quite complacent, and whose seasons kind of suffered as a result. You know, there's such a big uh, mid-table in League Two with only two relegation places, and Cambridge were one of the the, the one of those teams really that that just didn't. Just never got going. There was a change of of manager. Colin Caldwood left the club and they've decided to back the second youngest manager in the EFL behind Russell Martin. That is Mark Bonner. He's a a local guy, Cambridge born and bred, very highly rated uh, as a coach within the club. And one of a few uh, internal appointments that we've seen across the EFL this season. There's a lot of good sort of murmurs coming out of the club about Bonner, uh, about his ability and about some of the members of the squad who maybe young players that could develop further under his tutelage. Harry Darling, certainly at the back, one of the best names surely in the EFL, the headline writer's dream. <laughs> That's uh, the important thing. A big centre-back with the surname Darling. You just love to see that. They've brought in Wes Houlihan, who could be the greatest player League Two's ever seen, apart from Edgar <laughs> Davids. Or he may not have any legs left. That remains to be seen. Um, but it, it'd be wrong to focus on the big name Houlihan because there are a few attacking players who I'll certainly be keeping a close eye on. Harvey Nibs, uh, being one of them. They're basically a team of great names, aren't they? Nibs, Dallas, Dunk, Houlihan... Uh, noil darling there's uh, certainly the uh, certainly that is the, the insight
0: the... that we are paid for
1: <laughs> uh, anyway anyway Mark Bonner's in charge I, I I like the noises coming out of this side but with a rookie manager uh, you can never be quite sure how suited they are to the top job he could be magnificent in which case I think Cambridge could go pretty well uh, he might struggle to adapt and they might struggle themselves I am sitting on the fence when it comes to Cambridge that's for sure George notable by their absence in this discussion and in Paddy Power's relegation odds, the new boys, Barrow and Harrogate, why are they so well fancied? Because teams who get promoted
0: from the National League do not get relegated immediately in the season after Ali. We know that now. So it's totally fair enough. That is a fact up until this season. I'm not guaranteeing anything. uh Yeah, it, it, it's really exciting to see two sides that we've never covered before that have never been at this level before in both Barrow and Harrogate. Barrow come in. With a slightly different outlook from last season, they lost Ian Everett, who was the manager as they were promoted. They were nicknamed Barrow Salona for their style of football. But in comes David Dunn, who has immediately said that he's going to have to change the way they play just to account for the step up in class. So I don't think we're necessarily going to see that flowing football that Everett was famed for at Barrow. We might well see it at Bolton, though. And Harrogate, uh, under Simon Weaver, we spoke to him on the podcast last week. A great story about a guy aged 31 who had no managerial experience, applied for the job down the road because it was going, got the job. Two years later, his dad becomes chairman and they lead them to the EFL. Um, Let's hope there's going to be that's, let's hope their promotion isn't a fairy tale ending and there's more to come as well. Worth pointing out with Harrogate that they've been playing on a synthetic pitch for the last few seasons. They've had to relay it to meet EFL guidelines, which means they'll be playing at Doncaster for the first few weeks of the season. And I have a slight concern that might impact their home form because generally teams in non-league who play on a synthetic surface normally have a good home record because they are used to the bounce and the roll. So that could be something to look out for. Those are the runners... And riders, the protagonists at the top of the table and those facing the drop as well. We're now going to run through just a couple of managers and a couple of players that we're excited to see from the rest. Time now to talk about the managers that we're looking forward to seeing in this campaign in League Two. And I'm going to kick off with a couple that we've seen a bit of before. Mike Duff, for starters, at Cheltenham. You could forgive Mike Duff for being a bit shell-shocked as to what happened last season, they defied the odds, the expectations and everything in between in order to go close to automatic promotion in, in League Two. But Cheltenham was somehow knocked out, taking a two goal lead into a playoff semi final second leg against Northampton, who produced one of the most remarkable playoff performances I can remember seeing against them and then took that into the final to win 4-0. But he is a manager who in his first season has proven himself to be a very, very canny, canny manager, building a solid side who are good defensively, who have enough in attack as well, and also very clever in the loan market, bringing in key players from higher up in the divisions. And we've seen him try to do that again. And I think Duff is destined for greater things. This will surely be his last season managing at League Two level. And secondly, Stuart McCall, who is manager of Bradford, He was uh, brought into the club halfway through last season to replace Gary Bowyer for his third spell in charge. And I must say, things don't really feel right unless Stuart McCall is at Bradford. But his last spell in charge of the club was back in 2018. He was sacked with Bradford in sixth in League One, which looking back seems like one of the worst decisions, one of the most unnecessary managerial casualties we've seen. But hopefully his return to Valley Parade will spell an upturn in fortunes for the club. Ali, who are the two that you're looking at in League Two?
1: Look, I'm very excited for Season 5 of Better Call McCall up at Bradford. Two stints as a player and now three as permanent manager. Uh, But I'm probably more excited to see what Daryl Clark can do this season with this Walsall side. Uh, A full season of consolidation. I think you have to say that in hindsight. They struggled to adapt to League Two following relegation. Um, But by the end of the season, just some... Some green shoots of positivity. It feels like Clark, who has a very strong personality and a very strong idea of what he wants from his players and specifically the character of the players. Uh, He seems to have made moves in the transfer market to end up with a squad that he is happy with. Uh, And I think given that we really rate this manager, uh, someone who won back-to-back promotions with Bristol Rovers from the National League all the way to League One and then kept them safe in League One, I think if he's got his feet under the table and if the club has handled its League One relegation hangover and and is past that now, I'd be surprised if he doesn't have them in the top seven at the very least. Uh, And then Mike Flynn of Newport, someone that over the years we have waxed lyrical about, certainly thanks to Newport's cup exploits over the last few years, but also uh, the way that he steered them to a miraculous safety as a caretaker manager and the club's development under him over the last few years. Um, I think we're going to see a bit of evolution here. Flynn's newport have been known as a a very direct side who really you know put it up you and the sort of team that you don't want to be playing certainly in the winter Uh, but i think they're going to play a little less direct this season they haven't got jamil matt who was such an easy target for them and i think they're going to look to build play a little more and i'm quite excited about this evolution Uh, that style did serve them well for a few years but last season was a huge disappointment. They followed a a playoff campaign with a a desperately disappointing and pretty turgid mid-table finish. They scored the lowest number of goals from open play in League Two and that's something they have to improve this season. So I'm always excited when a manager looks to evolve. Let's see how Mike Flynn does with Newport. Next up, the League Two players that we want to flag up ahead of this season. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League Show with Ali Maxwell and George Ellick.
0: So now the players that we are looking forward to seeing in League Two and we've got three exciting young talent, one old pensioner by the regards of League Two players. I'm going to go for a couple of youngsters here and Kwame Poku is the first at Colchester United. He's just 19 years old and last season saw his first EFL campaign having joined from Worthing and he was electric playing off the right-hand side or through the middle he has that amazing quality of being very quick being very physical, but also technical and using the ball very well indeed as well. A creator, somebody who can get into the box as well. And that was his first season. So you can just anticipate how much he should be improving. I was impressed that Colchester were able to keep hold of him. And he is another one with a bit of a wrong to right, having missed a key chance very late on in the game in the playoff semi-final against Exeter, a goal that would have sent his club to Wembley but I have a feeling there will be better times around the corner for Poku and in Dan Happer a center back at Lace Orient, another left footed center back. I absolutely love them. This one is six foot five. he's already made a hundred appearances for Orient, and a host of clubs further up the EFL have been linked to him, including Leeds United as well. A player who is continuing to improve uh, and with more football under his belt, I have a feeling he will be one that Orient are going to struggle to keep hold of going forward and, and could really make a name for himself this season. Ali, a couple for you, maybe yeah, at different stages of their career.
1: Yeah, starting off with Ebu Adams, someone that I will continue to bang on about until we see him playing at a higher level. He's Forest Green's do-it-all central midfield player. He really is a fantastic player at this level. He's kind of unusual in the sense that, despite playing in a central midfield role, he's really, uh, at his core, a ball carrier. That's his uh, elite skill for this level anyway. It's such... Uh, uh, such a brilliant way of, of driving through the heart of the midfield. And that is such a, a brilliant quality to have and quite rare, especially at this level. Uh, it's proven in the fact that last season he was fouled 58 times more than any other player in the league. Normally, it's tricky wingers who go to the ch- top of the fouled charts in any division. I, I'm, I know that he can play at a higher level than this. Forest Green, though, not known for letting their best best assets go easily or cheaply. So while I wouldn't be surprised to see him move on in the next month or so, if he does, it will be for a pretty penny. And if he doesn't, he could help Forest Green get back towards the top end of this division. And I needed to finish with an old head, uh, a real stalwart of League Two and someone that I love, Glenn Morris, who is the goalkeeper at Crawley Town, 36-year-old Glenn Morris. Why is he one to watch? Well, because as goalkeepers go in this division, uh, a lot of the time when you're watching the highlights you tend to say could the keeper have done a bit better there and Morris more regularly makes you ask How on earth has he saved that? I think that's a pretty impressive thing for a League Two goalkeeper and I think he is the best shot stopper at this level. Uh, Last season, Crawley's defence was very leaky. They faced the most shots in the whole league but conceded the 10th fewest goals and I think that speaks to a very, very good shot stopper. So I want to finish by shouting out Glenn Morris, Crawley's goalkeeper. You'll be seeing him plenty on the highlights this season making eye-catching saves. I think he'll be busy again this season. There's no doubt about that. And breathe thank you so much for bearing with us through a whistle stop tour of league one and league two the new season is just days away when can we start saying hours away anyway it's two days away we're so excited for it as hopefully you can tell by the excitement in our voices as we talk to you through as much as we possibly could in the time allotted to us in these two extraordinary football divisions there are going to be so many storylines throughout the season and that's lucky, George, because we've got a time slot to fill every Thursday. What can I expect? What can the listeners expect from uh, from the Totally Football League show Extra Time this campaign?
0: Yeah, really looking forward to the season and we've got so much to talk about. And we're going to be going through all the major stories every week with, with interviews with players and managers and those involved in the game. We'll be looking at teams in focus as well just plenty to get through as ever the efl has so many stories and we'll be investigating all of them as they come so please do join us every thursday on the totally football league show extra time
1: hey a little message to the old heads amongst you the going up going down listeners Uh, you might be listening to this episode on the going up going down feed but make sure you subscribe right now to the totally football league show podcast feed that is where you will find all future episodes as we merge and become the totally football league show extra time if you're not a subscriber of the athletic please sign up today theathletic.com forward slash efl pod and you can have a subscription for just one pound a month check that out and make sure you're subscribed and join us as we get our teeth into the new season in the efl so excited to be a part of it and hopefully you are too You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all the Athletics Football Podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power.
0: Muddy Knees Media